Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. The Morning Show. The Home Team. No, it's both. It's The Crossover with Sam Franco and Chris Brave. Crossover, step back! Right here on 960theref.com. What is up, 960 The Ref listener Sam Franco, Chris Brame, along with you. It is the crossover right here on 960theref.com. And right off the bat, late breaking news, we are on iTunes officially. We have a sweet new logo. Props to the Cox Media Design team for that. And Brame and I, very happy to tell you guys, we are on iTunes, so you can head to iTunes, subscribe, that way you never miss an episode, and of course, leave us a nice little review, because uh, we deserve it. Oh, I think we do, absolutely. To uh, sit in here for like a half hour every week is <laughs> uh, is a grind. It's just grueling, hard, physical labor, so um, yeah, reward us with kind reviews. Yeah, no doubt about that, so very excited for this week's episode. We've got... Georgia in fall camp, we've got the Falcons in training camp, and we've got the Braves who didn't really do anything at the trade deadline other than get swept by the Phillies in a four-game series for the first time since 1949. So we'll hit all of those topics on this edition of the crossover, episode number 14. But we'll start with the Dogs. As they have hit fall camp, they had their first practice yesterday as we record this on a Tuesday and I'll try to act like I'm not super checked out because I'm going on vacation for the next like five days Uh, so I will definitely uh, try to act like I'm actually wanting and caring about doing this episode right now uh, even though I'm looking forward to my vacation but yeah the dogs hit the field over at and behind I guess the Buttsmayer complex and Really, the uh, big thing for Georgia is all of these offensive linemen, and that's what Kirby talked about in his first press conference of fall camp was the shuffling on offensive line that they're going to do for these first couple weeks just to kind of see who the guys are that are going to end up being the starting offensive linemen for this team, and that's a huge thing for not just the running game but also for a, a young quarterback in Jacob Eason. Yeah, and you've got to figure. I mean, these freshmen are gonna are, are gonna play. I think a lot of fans probably want to see these freshmen play. And the uh, I think the question is, it's not if it's uh, it's when. How soon we'll see them? And you know, what is the projected offensive line for? What is it now? Thirty, thirty-two, whatever days it is away from Appalachian State versus what the offensive line is going to be when the dogs line up against Tech Thanksgiving uh, weekend. But with you know, knowing what Georgia's offensive line looked like last year, knowing what Georgia's offensive line has coming back this uh, season, and uh, and also knowing how highly rated some of these linemen were, if I mean, if they're not playing, to me, it it almost seems like a bad sign for them. Yeah, exactly. So uh, definitely uh, interested to see how all of that plays out with the uh, the battles on the offensive line, and and that's the thing. A lot of people say young offensive lineman usually means a bad thing. Like if you have an inexperienced offensive line, 
Don't tell that to Isaiah Wilson. I think that guy, if he ends up starting for Georgia somewhere on the offensive line, that's could be a good thing just because of how big that man is. Well, and he more than any is the one that I'd, I'd probably like to see get get plugged in there pretty mm-hmm. quickly. When you just look at uh, a guy like last year at Alabama, Jonah Williams, who started every game for them at right tackle and really and graded out as their best offensive lineman last year ahead of Cam Robinson. Now Robinson moves on to the NFL, so Williams will move over to left tackle this season. Greg Little started at left tackle for Ole Miss, and those were offensive linemen that Isaiah Wilson was recruited or was 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 basically rated as highly as on the uh, on the offensive line. So I'd like to think that Wilson would have a chance to come in here and and play pretty much from the get-go, just like those two guys did at Alabama and Ole Miss last season. And you would think here, just given the state of Georgia's offensive line, I mean, there definitely should be more of an opportunity here than you'd think maybe at a place like Bama. Oh, yeah, no doubt about it. So that's going to be the big storyline. I know there are obviously some others like the competition at wide receiver to see who's going to come out and be the starting wide receivers. Tight end and running back, I think we're pretty good there. We know who's going to be starting and who's going to be getting a lot of the reps there. Although, one thing for running back that I'm intrigued by is, obviously, Nick Chubb and Sony Michelle. Those are the two guys that are going to be the bell cow backs. But how much do we see of a Brian Herrian who proved a lot last season? You know, How much do we see of an Elijah Holyfield who's going to be starting the season off with a suspension? You know, We don't know how long that's going to be, but that's just the lay of the land here at Georgia. And then the new guy coming in, DeAndre Swift, who was a, a big recruit who had that great uh, commit video, I guess, that was shot up there in Philadelphia. So there is a lot of talent in the backfield and only one ball to go around. I would think that we'll see. Uh, we saw a good bit of herring in last year. Uh, you know, like you said, Holyfield with a likely suspension with how deep the backfield is, that might set him back and we might not see a, a ton of Holyfield. I was expecting Swift to come in here and, and certainly have a chance to to battle it out on special teams. It's interesting that Georgia signs this JUCO, uh, Crumpton, from California to come mm-hmm. in. And, and I mean, given his size, I guess there's all the comparisons being made to Isaiah McKenzie. But, you know, we, you know I, would, I would have thought that already on the roster there were definitely options in the return game at punt return and at kick return. But... Um, you know, obviously the coaching staff wanted to give another guy a uh, look too, so they're bringing Crumpton and maybe as a return specialist. But I definitely would have thought that Swift would have had a chance to, and maybe still does, uh, contribute in that way. But I would think for sure Swift is, he ain't going to redshirt either. He'll play. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that Kirby Smart has shown he's not shy about playing freshmen. So I think we will see a lot of freshmen. It just depends on where those guys end up going. And switching over to the defensive side, you know, there's a lot of hype around this Georgia defense, and if Trenton Thompson can get back to playing the way he did in that bowl game and the way he did towards the back end of last season, you know, we've talked to some people, including Barrett Salee of CBS Sports, who thinks Georgia's going to be a top-10 defense nationally this year. Well, I mean, they were a, a they were definitely a top top fifteen, top twenty defense last year too. Everywhere except as you know, we've we've kind of pointed out the red zone was really a head scratcher. Why Georgia's defense was solid everywhere on the field except once they allowed opponents into the red zone. That's but, one thing Kirby said yesterday too. The red zone on both sides of the ball has to get better. Yeah, but you know, I mean, the thing is about I mean, last year's Georgia's Georgia's defense finished. Uh, there were only two defenses in the in the SEC that finished better than the Dogs did in league play and yards per play allowed and those were Florida's and Alabama's so there's uh, actually no it was LSU and Alabama's pardon me Georgia finished slightly ahead of Florida there 
in uh, in conference play. So there's you know there, there's not a lot of room for Georgia's defense to to move up there as far as that goes. It's really you know the offense that needs to to take a big step forward and hopefully not squander what should be a uh, a solid Georgia defensive unit. I mean the really the I mean, let's not discount the big shoes that Maurice Smith left, though. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I think you could argue he, Georgia might have lost two games last year that they won without if he never transferred here. The North Carolina game, he made a couple of big plays. It looked like the Tar Heels had long touchdown passes, and he came out of nowhere and and, uh, and batted balls away. And then he had the pick six against Auburn, which was Georgia's only touchdown in that game. And it looks like that spot's going to be filled by true freshman D'Angelo Gibbs. Yeah, so that is no question a big spot to fill. And it's funny, Georgia went from not knowing that that guy was going to even be on campus to like a week or two weeks later, he makes a huge play in the North Carolina game, uh, batting that one ball away. So he was able to come in and have an immediate impact and you're totally right. Georgia's going to have to fill that role and find a way to do it. I know Dom Sanders is a ball hawk type player, but Maury Smith, for the one year he was at Georgia, was a very special talent. Yeah, I mean Georgia got a guy. It's uh, to, to go back to the old, you know, the, the the thing from the summer that I was reading on ESPN.com about if you could take one player from every t- from any team and make yours better, and it was like half the teams in the league they were picking a player from Alabama, huh. right? Yeah. Right. So like, oh, okay, yeah. So Alabama's got the best players and if like, other we'll teams, take Mika Fitzpatrick. Yeah, sure. And if other teams <laughs> in the SEC had Bama players, it'd be a lot better. And then well, Georgia got an Alabama player last year. I mean, he was going back to to the spring with them of two thousand sixteen, he was, you know, starting in their nickel packages. And I mean, so that's the you know, the type of player Georgia had there on defense. And he definitely Made a couple big plays last season, for sure. Certainly did. So, Georgia with a lot of different questions and not a whole lot more time until Appalachian State. So, the fan day is coming up this Saturday, and they'll have an open practice. I went to that thing last year. It's really hard to pay attention to something like that because they break the field into, like, quadrants or into different, like, areas, and so you have different people working everywhere. So, you kind of just have to pick an area to pay attention to and, and pay attention to it, or else you're going to have your head spinning constantly. Right. You probably just want to pay attention to, like, the quarterbacks and see, like, are they overthrowing guys? Are they, you know, uh, how sharp do they uh, How sharp do they look? Yeah, but uh, I think the biggest things, you know, we've hit them all already. The one thing we haven't really hit, the kicking game, what really happens there in terms of punting, in terms of the field goals, in terms of kickoffs. Uh, I know that Rodrigo Blankenship came in and sort of steadied the Georgia field goal kicking game last season, but he is very or was very inaccurate of anything outside of 40 yards. And quite frankly, not just in the SEC, but in big-time college football, you got to have a kicker that can hit field goals longer than 40 yards with consistency yeah I mean you've got to be able to trust the guy but you know I mean really you got to be able to trust the guy to go out there and make kicks from say 20 to 39 yards well, of course those are definitely the ones and um you know still I mean yeah Blankenship did a good job of uh, steadying things but I'll be honest every time Georgia went out there for a uh, for a kick you, you know, you're still crossed yeah I mean <laughs> you're still holding yeah. your breath I mean and, and sadly too it's like extra points even on that you're you know normally a touchdown gets scored like, well, I'm going to flip to another game because the extra point is basically point. a non-play. Mm-hmm. But you know, with Georgia, I'm like, I better stay here and watch because who knows? Yeah, absolutely. So that's one thing to uh, look out for as well in terms of Georgia and going into next season. And fall camp's here, so we'll, uh, we'll be ready for all the games, including the week zero, as uh, Dave has been calling it on the morning show, where you've got 
I believe Rice and Stanford are playing in Australia, and there's also some other games. Oregon State and Colorado State. Yeah, I believe they um, some suited ESPN called it that because um, they've got like a countdown to kickoff clock mm-hmm. going, and somebody asked them, well, you know, there are games that's actually not accurate. That first the league, weekend. Right, games. and apparently since none of those games are on ESPN. No, <laughs> they don't count. Them. Right, they're not counting. It's, I believe there's some suited ESPN that actually refer to it as week zero. Yeah. yeah. That's uh, that's pretty funny there. So Georgia in camp, the Falcons also in training camp over at Flowery Branch. And the big story going into training camp was Devontae Freeman and his contract situation. No long-term deal yet, but Freeman did say after one of the practices he wants to be a Falcon for life, saying all the right things. But it seems genuine with him, even though he does have Uncle Luke and his wife kind of in the background making all this noise. But... It still seems genuine, and I still think they're going to get a long-term deal worked out for him. And with the drafting of the Wyoming running back uh, this past draft, it doesn't really bode too well for the long-term future in Atlanta for Tevin Coleman. <laughs> well, I mean, I, to, to, for me, it's 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 Freeman that that's an insurance policy for. Because again, if he, I know he's saying all the right things, but if he wants to be paid like a top five running back and be that highly paid, I, I pro- the Falcons are going to let him walk. They're not going to sign him because they've got Tevin Coleman. Now they've signed this kid or drafted this kid from Wyoming too. So it's just not a it's it's not a position in the NFL anymore that you want to be investing that much money in. And um not when you've got an adequate to number 2 in Tevin Coleman and you look at their yards per carry. I mean Freeman got a little bit more of the workload, but Coleman was you know they were basically identical in that front. Yeah, I, I just I don't know. There's just something about looking at the two for me personally, I would still want Freeman to be the guy, but this offense doesn't look like it's going to be any of the issue for this team. It's going to be, can the defense be better than they were last season? And the defense definitely got better as the season went on. There's no question about that. Vic Beasley had a great season, led the NFL in sacks, and he seems to be a guy. He went on this uh, pass-rushing summit that Avon Miller, I guess, hosted out west, and uh, he said that that got him you know, really fired up for the season. The Falcons also have uh, Takaris McKinley, uh, the player they drafted, out of UCLA, probably going to be on the other side of the ball. Uh, one of the questions was Dwight Freeney, would they bring him back? And right now, I think Thomas Dimitrov said that they're kind of looking at the younger guys right now, and if they feel like they need to bring back Freeney, they can. It just seems like a no-brainer to me. I don't know why you wouldn't want him back. Granted, he doesn't need to be a training camp. I mean, you know what you get from a guy like that, and he's totally fine skipping it. A lot of the times you'll see veterans. You know, Brett Favre was given that kind of treatment towards the back end of his career. But – I still don't see any reason why they shouldn't sign him back. That that would even help kind of mentor Tack McKinley and bring him along. Yeah, because I think he deserves some credit for helping Beasley break out mm-hmm. last year too. Even taught him that little spin move that yeah. uh, that, that was huge. you know that that he had patented. So I think Atlanta probably will end up bringing him back, but in a one year if the price is right kind of deal and just keep going from there. If he still wants to play, yeah, I mean I agree with you. The Falcons should send him back. I mean honestly, that you look at the team. The only real question mark is who's going to fill Chris Chester's spot at guard because right. Chester retired. And honestly, for an offensive line that was solid last season, I mean, Chester was probably the weakest part of it. Mm-hmm. So maybe you end up getting somebody better in there. You know, you, we won't know for sure. But I definitely think it's a question now with this team of can they get over that Super Bowl loss? I mean, that that's going to be – it's almost like the question marks on the field – aren't big you know this team has talent you know they're going to be good they probably should repeat as division champions again so with all that out of the way the only real question is 
mentally can they get over that that roadblock of the letdown in the Super Bowl? Well, I hope none of them watched Preacher Monday night. Then did you have you do watch Preacher on AMC? I have not seen it yet. Okay, I've heard about it. It's good well, enough. there was a shot of a uh, there was a little kid in it who was wearing uh, an Atlanta Falcons Super Bowl T-shirt, Super Bowl Champions T-shirt. Oh, no. Except the score was weird. It said twenty to seventeen. Okay. Um. So I don't know if that's in the future. Maybe the Falcons will win uh, Super Bowl Fifty Two, twenty to seventeen. But the two Super Bowls they were in, uh, they did not. You know, it was twenty-eight to three was the score this past year. So, if the Falcons are trying to get over that haunting memory, don't watch Preacher because there was a kid wearing a shirt that said "Atlanta Falcons Super Bowl Champions twenty to 17. It didn't say who oh, they beat, boy. but <laughs> it was kind of other than that. But it was funny that was on last night, and mm. uh, and I noticed that. Well, I will uh, probably not be going <laughs> looking at that then. But uh, that's the thing. A lot of people say that it's just an, this automatic that the Falcons won't be back. They'll take this huge step back. This it just seems different. Like this team has a different mentality. Dan Quinn preaches a different mentality. Plus, I think the youth of this team might produce some sort of naivete of whereas a veteran team might that might hit you a little harder. The youth on this team might be too naive to buy into that. Yeah. I mean it definitely would help the defense where they had all those rookies and second year players mm-hmm. that made the biggest impact last uh last season I, I you know I just think one area and as much as we, we all agree now that Mike Shanahan or, or Kyle Shanahan was you know the absolute was the goat in the Super Bowl well, even Matt first. Ryan even called him out you yeah. know I he kind of dialed it back a little bit but let's all be real Matt Ryan was probably super frustrated and eventually the dam was breached you know he kept getting questions about it and finally he's like Basically, he's like, yeah, it was his fault. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the guy's the head coach of the San Francisco 49ers. Now, if he was still Atlanta's offensive coordinator, then you would, you know, you, you, you would tiptoe around the subject a little bit. But now, hey, there's no big deal. Yeah, it was Kyle Shanahan's fault. And, and I think everybody realizes that. However, Atlanta's offense was really, I mean, historically awesome last season. And, you know, I, I think it's dangerous just to, to work on the assumption that oh, you're just going to plug in a, a new offensive coordinator, one who has basically zero NFL experience, say for a short period of time he was a quarterback's coach. Was it for the Titans? Mm-hmm. I think briefly. So, you know, I, I mean, just the, the, the thought of, okay, he'll just come in, he'll start calling plays, really never been an NFL coach, and, and all will be fine. You know, I think I'd be careful there. Yeah, but it does kind of feel like this might be a a uh, what's the word I'm like? Well, I guess it would be kind of like the Peyton Manning, Tom Moore dynamic that you had in Indianapolis. I kind of feel like that's how this is going to be, where Matt Ryan is doing a lot of the legwork. Sure, but again, with Tom Moore, that was like a veteran NFL guy who would suggest here's here's a here's, here's like five plays, pick one. <laughs> yeah, here's 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 my suggestions for you, Peyton. You go and do it. And it's still, I mean, it's going to take Sarkeesian to be aware of like, well, what do I need to be suggesting in this spot? There's still that, you know, that lack of NFL experience that could take some you know, a, a period of transition. I mean, it, it happened in the first year of Shanahan and Ryan. I mean, that, Atlanta's offense struggled a bit. Um, and then they really meshed last season, and it was um, and it was unbelievable what the Falcons' offense did. But the um, but you know yeah, I mean the one thing with Atlanta, and it is rare for teams that are in the Super Bowl. I mean, there's I mean, they really lo- they didn't really lose anything from last year's no. team. I mean, you do have pretty much everything coming back. Yeah, and so I, I think that that's a big reason why this team that people should not fade them. And I, I you know I think 
I don't know if your tunes changed a little bit, but you were one of the guys that was kind of saying maybe fade them a little bit for this coming year. Oh, I still would. I mean, their their okay. their schedule is is it's, the schedule gets tough. There's the no schedule's question. difficult, and you look at a couple of spots. And and granted, I mean, a couple of years ago, Atlanta went thirteen and three and went three and three in the division. Mm-hmm. But they've got three division games that I think are tough. They play the Panthers on the road, which is the third straight road game Atlanta will play. That's right. They host Tampa Bay coming off a Monday night game at Seattle, and Tampa plays the previous Thursday night. So you got the Bucks on extra rest. Ooh, that one. That's a good note right there. And you the, might want to fade Atlanta against Tampa that week. And the Falcons <laughs> on short rest. And then they go to New Orleans, which is also the tail end of back-to-back road games. Mm-hmm. Second time they'll play the Saints in three weeks. And what probably – I mean, probably – I mean, could very well be the last home game for Drew Brees in the Superdome. Mm-hmm. So you got three spots right there that are very tough for Atlanta. I'm going to tell you, too, that first game against Chicago is a classic week one. You think one team's going to stink. The other team's <laughs> going to be good. Road under a uh, home underdogs in the NFL. <laughs> Sam, I know you're going to that game. I will be there, yes. After Georgia beats Notre Dame. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But I just be careful there because those first games of the seasons, the Bears don't. The Bears think they're good. I, we all know the Bears stink, but in the first game of the season, the Bears still think they're good. I would watch out for Leonard Floyd. Uh, that's all I'm going to say about that. Although I also get to see Vince Dooley throw out the first pitch of the Cubs game that Friday before the Georgia Is he Thunder really? Game. Yes. Oh, I didn't know he was doing that. Yeah. And so hopefully they'll let him sing Take Me Out of the Ball Game as well. Because who who are they playing awesome. again? Do you uh, know? The Brewers, which is great because right now there's only like two and a half games to separate those teams. Yeah, so the if Cubs it's still finally close, passed them though, right? Well, they did. Yeah. But if it's still close, then that'll be a very important game. So yeah. looking forward to that weekend on the whole. But yeah, I, I do agree with you that it's not going to be the easiest game. Like everybody's automatically giving the Falcons that win. But it is good that you're playing in Chicago in September as opposed to playing there in like December. So you get a break oh, yeah. there. And I also think you get a break by the first game in the Mercedes-Benz Stadium for the Falcons and the first real game, I'm not talking about preseason games, is the Packers on Sunday Night Football. So it'll be a huge atmosphere advantage, I think, for Atlanta in that game. Most of the time when you play the Packers, there are a lot of Packers fans that come wherever you are in the country. I feel like since it's the first game at Mercedes-Benz Stadium, you're probably not going to have as many like resales from like Falcons fans to Packers. So I think the Falcons should have a decided advantage in that Week Two game Sunday Night Football against the Packers. Well, and if, if the Packers fans don't feel like their uh, their team did anything to improve its defense over the off season, then I wouldn't want to go to that game either. No, because the Falcons could put up big numbers. Yeah, they smoked them. They couldn't stop Atlanta in that no, NFC title game. They could not. And yeah, I agree. I don't think it really did a whole lot to improve that defense. So. The Falcons in training camp right now, and hopefully they get through that injury-free and they have a full-strength squad when they start the season up there in Chicago. A game, as Bram said, that I will be at. Last but not least on this episode, episode 14 of the crossover, which of course is now on iTunes, also every week on 960theref.com. The Braves, and I mentioned that they just got swept by the Phillies in a four-game series for the first time since 1949 when they were still in Boston. Uh... (laughs) They didn't do anything at the trade deadline. They traded Jaime Garcia, and that was it. Like, John Capalella, the GM, has been super active in this past offseason. He's made a lot of moves, has not been shy to make moves. So why didn't they do anything right now? Because, I mean, the reality is, I guess, is the team is still building for 2019. And it is. I mean, it's crazy because, you know, they, they went one of those first two games at the Dodgers. Mm-hmm including handing Alex Wood his only loss of the season. And Jaime Garcia hit a grand slam in that game. Yes, he did. And now Jaime Garcia is on his third team of the year. (laughs) He only made one start for the Twins. But 
you know, and it was weird because Atlanta was right there around the 500 mark, and you looked at the wild card standings and like, okay, you know, the team's close, but truthfully, there were too many teams ahead of them because like the Rockies and the Diamondbacks are way over 500. You know, the, between the Brewers and Cubs, you got two other 500 teams. You know, and the Cardinals are lurking now too at 500, and you know, the Braves. I mean, it's they they I think they they put together some veteran names and some recognizable faces to to sell tickets at SunTrust Park this season. But the reality is, it's a team that's still a couple years away from genuinely competing. So, I mean, I think Atlanta just stood pat there. But you, I think you see the what you know the side effects of of making a deal like Atlanta did at the trade deadline and what it's had on the players, though, mm-hmm. psychologically. Because I don't think it's a coincidence that the Braves traded away a starting pitcher and all of a sudden they've won one game since then. Right including, like you said, getting swept by the Phillies. Because, I mean, basically the message from the front office to the team was like, we're, you know, we don't think you can win this season. But that's the thing. If that's the message, why didn't they trade any of these veteran players? They still have Brandon Phillips. They still have Nick Marquez. I know Matt Kemp got hurt, so you can't really trade him. But there are pieces that teams would want. Matt Adams, another guy. They didn't trade any of those guys. So why are you keeping these veteran pieces and not trying to get at least something back for them as opposed to you have these guys now that it's, it's just kind of like – you know, what's the saying? Dead man walking? I mean, you know, I don't think Brandon Phillips is back next year. I don't think Nick Marquez is back next year. No, and I mean, I guess it just, I don't know what the market for him would have been. I would have thought maybe there'd have been a market for R.A. Dickey. Um, you know, I don't know what they, did they, I, I know there were rumors that they were trying to trade Julio Tehran too, mm-hmm. but I mean, Tehran's been terrible this year. What team that's a contender is going to look at a guy that's given up like 21 home runs? Oh, that's a they, great point. Yeah, I mean, we've got to add him, so... I mean, there couldn't be a, a much of a market for uh, mid-30s second baseman and aging second baseman or anything. And, yeah, I mean, they've got those those veteran players. I mean, Matt Adams might have been the one exception. He's only 28 years old, but you know, maybe the Braves are looking at him now and thinking, hey, we did strike gold in getting him, and they want to keep him around long term. I'm just tired of the Braves having these players that can only hit from one side of the plate. I mean, you remember that – rotation in left field they had years back where it was Matt Diaz and Ryan Langerhans because one couldn't hit one you know one couldn't hit lefties one couldn't hit righties so they had to keep like platooning them back and forth it's like how about you get a player that can hit both <laughs> and Matt Adams can't no yeah man plus it, he's you know hopefully it, during the offseason like you said Markakis maybe they can find someplace else for Markakis and they can put if they want to keep Adams around they can put him in the outfield or something oh, and but, you have Acuna I mean, as well in the farm system who's supposed to be their number one prospect so at some point that guy's going to be yeah. ready to come up uh you know I know Lucas Sims is starting I believe uh tonight which yes, is right. Tuesday when mm-hmm. we're recording this but um but Freeman's got to get back to first base too that's just where he needs to play he doesn't need to play at third base he's done okay there but no, that, that that whole thing is ridiculous. Like, he's one of the best defensive first basemen in Major League Baseball. Get somebody else to play third base. You have Sean Rodriguez. You have some you guys that can play multiple positions. Yohan Camargo as well. So put him back at first base and let him stay there. I think that whole thing is asinine. Well, and, you know, Camargo's interesting because basically he's replaced Dansby Swanson. And Swanson's not even playing anymore. But then that's fine. But, but then send him down. Cause, I mean, it, well, Swanson is down. Oh, they did send him yeah, down? All right, I missed that while I was on vacation, yeah, I guess. Down. Okay, well, good, because he needed to go down if he wasn't going to play. Yeah, so putting him in AAA is something that needed to happen. He was struggling very much at the plate, and maybe now he can work on that second base shortstop thing with the Ozzie Albies. You know, they can they can work on that while 
Dansby Swanson is trying to improve his hitting because he was god awful uh, until they decided to finally send him down. Yeah, I mean, it felt like he was it, it was zero and two every time he was at the plate. But uh, yeah, I mean, he's if if you're not going to play him, then you do have to send him to AAA. So he, it, it's pointless just to have him on the big league roster sitting on the bench. It really is. So. Uh, that'll, I guess, pretty much wrap up this edition of the crossover. Don't really have anything else to get to here. I will be heading to Chicago uh, pretty much uh, within you know, 24. Actually, I'm leaving at 6 a.m. Wednesday morning. We're recording this on Tuesday, so I'll be out until uh, next week. So catch uh, Dave and Logan or Dave and Adam on the morning show uh, back in town, Brain. So you and Jeff will be reunited on the home team. So looking forward to listening to that. I will say it one more time. We are on iTunes, so please head to iTunes, subscribe to the crossover so you never miss an episode. Leave us a review because the more reviews we get, the higher bumped up we get. So you're helping us out. We're we're not just begging here because of our own vanity. We actually will get helped out with your reviews and star ratings. So please do that on iTunes. You can catch us every week now on iTunes, also on 960theref.com. So for Chris Brame, I'm Sam Franco. Thank you so much for listening to episode 14 of The Crossover, and we'll be back next week with another exciting episode right here on 960theref.com. You've been listening to The Crossover with Sam Franco and Chris Brame on 960theref.com. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.